Welcome to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. We are here for you to know God, grow together, discover purpose, and make a difference in New York City and beyond. Please check out our Facebook and Instagram at Every Nation NYC and enjoy the message. Hello, Every Nation NYC. My name is Ilsa and I am on staff here at Every Nation and it is my pleasure to bring the word today. We are in a series called Living It in the Book of Acts, and it is following the believers in the early church as they continue the ministry of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And our prayer today and through this whole series is that you, as a believer who is continuing the ministry of Jesus on earth by the power of the Holy Spirit, would not just learn about this, but you would be able to live it. So we're going to jump straight into some scripture today. We are in Acts 16, 16 to 40. As you find that place in your Bible and look it up, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. Last week, Pastor Sino started us off in Acts 16, and he was looking at how Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke all got together like a like a bunch of pals, and they went to a place called Philippi, and they planted the first church in Europe through a woman called Lydia. And we're going to kick off straight after that into Acts 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaims to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. There's basically a mob, they beat them, they chuck them in prison, and then they put them in stocks in prison. So they are in prison into verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out in a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembled with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. There's a bit of back and forth where the police come to say to Paul, you can can leave now. And Paul's like, I'm not leaving in secret. You're going to have to give me something more. And, And then it goes into verse 39. So they, this is the magistrates, came and apologized to them. They took them out and asked them to leave the city. And so they went out of prison, visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Let's pray. 
God, I pray that you would use, you would open your word and you would use this word to speak to our hearts today. Wherever people are watching this service from, we pray that we would do more than just learn today, but we would be transformed in your word by your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the books that my children used to like when they were a little bit younger is called We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Now, if you've never read We're Going on a Bear Hunt, the basic premise is this. There is a dad who takes three children, one of them's a baby, and they go hunting for bears. They come across several obstacles and they have the same refrain, which is, we can't go over it, we can't go under it, oh no, we've got to go through it. Now, as a woman who has read this book too many times, I have had a couple of issues with it. The first is, how come a dad is taking their baby through a river? Like, they literally go through a river. And the second is, why does he not just go round it? Like, they're always having to go through these hard things, just go round it. And then, at some point in the middle of 2020, this book started to hit a little bit different. So when my son could no longer go to school and Zoom, uh, Zoom school started and it was five hours of something that he really didn't like, we couldn't go over it, we couldn't go under it. Oh no, we've got to go through it. And then when we're trying to lead a church, a people of God on this earth, but you can't gather safely on a Sunday. Oh no, we can't go over it. Oh no, we can't go under it. We've got to go through it. And your pandemic, whatever kind of flavor that came with, isolation, continual racial trauma, losing your job, worrying about what's going to happen next, just a general anxiety. I feel like we all learned that, oh no, we cannot go over it. We cannot go under it. Oh no, we've got to go through it. And today's passage, today's text with Paul and Silas is a time where they had to go through it. They went into prison and they had to go through that moment. But what I am hope for today is that we can see that they did not go through it alone and they have a perspective as followers of Jesus where he gives them practices. So they have practices in their prison. They have purpose and they have a promise. And we, as followers of Jesus, whatever the world, our world looks like right now, whether we still feel in it or we feel like we've emerged out of it, whatever it looks like, we also are given practices, a purpose, and a promise. The first thing we see with Paul and Silas in prison is they rely on practices. They have just been through mob violence. Like they basically cause a riot in Philippi. Their wounds, you can tell later because the jailer tends to the wounds, that they get put in prison. They're probably still bleeding. They're still in a lot of pain and they get put in stocks, which is basically torture position. And what do they do? They sing and they pray. They worship and they pray in prison in pain. Now, what I am not saying here, I think that this passage used to get taught sometimes like they were just so happy and filled with the joy of the Lord that they couldn't help but sing. I don't think that this is a lesson in some form of toxic positivity. They could sing and they could pray because that is what they do. And that comes out in their hard place. That comes out in their, their highs, their mountains, their valleys, because that is what they do. 
And I know that for some of us in the last year, as we got squeezed, we discovered whether the first thing that came out of us was praying and singing or if some other things came out. So we can see their spiritual practices do several things in this moment as they sing and as they worship and they choose to do that in their hard place. It connects them. The first is it connects them with God. They're immediately connected with the will and the presence of God. The presence of God probably fell in the prison, a place that was definitely not designed to hold the presence of God. But he fell there because they immediately, the first thing that came out of them was spiritual practices. The next thing is it releases the miraculous. The whole foundations of the prison shake just after they pray and they sing at midnight in prison. And the last thing we see it do is it is a, a witness of hope to the others in that prison. Those prisoners are listening to them. They are listening to them process their pain and they're like, who are these people and how can they do that? Maybe in the last year, you've found that you don't really have spiritual practices anymore. If we're being honest, we can't remember the last time we read our Bible. We're not sure the last time we chose to pray. We've maybe listened to some worship music, but that's probably the extent of it. And I think that it's good to be honest in this moment because we have to be able to see that when we got squeezed in that last year, when we were in a hard place, what came out? We still have this opportunity to be like Paul and Silas, to have those practices there for when we're in that hard place. Recently, I had the privilege and honor of being at Favor's wedding. Favor is our prayer director, a fellow member of the SLT, and she had the most beautiful wedding. It is incredible. But as she walked down the aisle, she walked down to the aisle to that song, um, You Have Been Faithful All My Life. That one, can't remember what it's called. I never do. Anyway, halfway down the aisle, she stopped and she worshiped Jesus to that song because he has been faithful in her life. And the reason that Favor can do that in the middle of her wedding service and the reason that we all cried as she did it was because Favor has been through and has been crying that cry of his faithfulness through all her times, her ups and her downs. And Favor has chosen to prioritize time with Jesus over a time with anything else. And she has taken that time, I don't even know what time she gets up in the morning, to pray so that that is what comes out of her in her highs, that is what comes out of her in her lows, and that's what comes out of her as she walks down the aisle. And so today, as we're looking at this Paul and Silas, we have an opportunity to be, go deeper in our spiritual practices, to be like Paul and Silas, so that is what comes out. Paul and Silas don't just have spiritual practices. They don't just connect with God in that moment. They also have a specific purpose. On the surface, it doesn't look like they have a purpose. Don't get me wrong. Paul basically, they end up in prison because Paul got annoyed, which in some ways is good for all of us, right? He got weary of this girl following them around. And so he like gets rid of the spiritual oppression in their life. And then he gets put in prison. It's also not a great plan in terms of like church planning. If you're planning a strategic church planning plan, getting put in prison is not on it. So 
So it looks like they are not in the plan of God. It looks like they've gone off piste. It looks like they're just in a place of pain and injustice. But God uses them because even though it looks like that, they have freed an enslaved girl from her spiritual oppression. They have shaken a whole city's idols of money. They have given these prisoners an experience of the Holy Spirit that they would never have had. They get the jailer's whole household saved and brought to Jesus. And they are establishing the first church community in Europe. These foundations, they, there's like a giant earthquake and it obviously shakes the foundations in that moment. And this is the thing that puzzles me. There's the big earthquake. There's the power of God falling, the miraculous. And what do Paul and Silas do? They stay. Now, Paul and Silas' prison uh, story here is like number three prison break in Acts. This is like the third one. It's becoming a thing. All the other guys, they are out of there. But Paul and Silas stay because they know that God is doing something bigger than their personal freedom in that moment. Now, we live in an age that has its own philosophies, and those philosophies are not necessarily the philosophies of Jesus. And one of the resounding ways that we, the narratives that we are supposed to have to win in this world, is that we should escape all pain at all costs. You might be thinking, I don't see that. Where do we do that? You can see that in the many ways that we have invented to numb our pain. Anybody scrolling? That's a good pain number. We have so many ways. The ways that we call people to cut off toxic relationships, right? The ways even parenting is like, you're, there's a philosophy of you give the straightest path with the least pain for your kids to get to college and that's you being a good parent. And so this philosophy that is in the water that we live with in our city, that we should escape all pain at all costs, really contrasts to what, Paul and Silas are doing at this moment. They could leave, but they stay because they know there's something greater. They know that there is a greater purpose there. They know that their purpose is greater than the prison, and they know that their purpose probably resides in that prison, in that hard place. And for some of us right now, where you're sitting, what you're doing right now, you don't feel like you are in the plan that you wanted. You feel like it's gone off piste. You feel like you need more influence to be in the plan of God. It feels like it's just gone sideways. But God wants to remind you that even in those hard places, even in the places that look on the surface like they have gone wrong, even in the painful places, even though everything about our world saying, get out of there and you have to go through it, God is still moving. And that is a reminder, there is purpose even in your pain. Let's think about our church in the last year, the last two years. This was not the strategic plan for our church. But we didn't just survive as a body of Christ here in New York City. We did more. We had more things happen in this hard place, things that would not have happened if it wasn't for the situation and the pandemic that we found ourselves in. We spread 
thousands of masks to hospitals and blessed hospitals all over our city. We gave um, thousands of dollars to, to organizations in our city. We have already this year fasted 11 days and had already over 200 prayer calls. We have reached people and baptized people that we would never have reached if it wasn't for this pandemic. And we are more prepared to reach the harvest in this city because of what happened in the last year and a half. Out of this hard season, there is new life. And that brings me to my final point. Because Paul and Silas not only have a purpose, but they also have a promise. And that promise we also have. That out of the pain and the hard things comes freedom and new life. Because this is the gospel. Jesus took on the pain and the oppression and the injustice and the despair and the captivity and died and rose again so that we could have new life and freedom and hope. This is a pattern you see throughout the Bible. It happens in Exodus. As they come out, they have to be in the wilderness and then they get into the freedom, the new life, the new hope. It happens with Jesus and it gets to happen with us. We get to rely on that promise of freedom. Paul and Silas know that there is a promise of freedom even when they are in that prison. They know that while they are in captivity in that moment, that that is not the ultimate place that they will be because they are followers of Jesus. But not even just that. They know that they are the holders of this gospel story for other people. Their circumstances don't define their freedom. And ultimately, in this moment, they pay the price for the freedom of a girl, both spiritually and physically oppressed. They are in prison. They are paying that price for her. They can sing of the goodness of God in torture positions because they know the promise of freedom. And they can stay in prison to save a man who tortured them because they know the promise of freedom. Some of us today need that reminder that there is a promise of freedom, even in our hard place, even as we are going, having to go through it, having to be in a place of pain. That promise of freedom is the promise of following Jesus. Others of us, we need a reminder that we have a promise of freedom for other people. We are like the holders of that promise of freedom. For other people. Some of us are fighting injustice and we are asking why is this so painful? Others of us are praying and crying out for the freedom of members of our family and we're just wondering why is this so hard? But God wants to remind you that you are fighting a gospel fight by standing with those people. As you go through those hard places for people, there is that promise of freedom and new life, just as Jesus went through the hard places for us to bring new life and freedom for us. And church, as we are the keepers of this promise, as we get to 
to walk with Jesus and minister in this gospel truth and promise of freedom. Let's surround one another. Let's support one another to walk that out in our different lives. Because our city, our city who is, that has just gone through a hard season needs a people who know this gospel truth, that know the freedom in Jesus because we can walk this city out of its hard season into a new season of hope and new life and freedom. And we can do it, every nation, together. As I draw to a close today, I have three challenges I wanna leave us with. The first is, if you don't know this promise, this promise of freedom through Jesus, if you have not taken that step to say, um, I believe that Jesus took on the pain, died and rose again so I can walk in new life and freedom, then you can, you can take that step today. We are here as a church to help you walk that out, to follow Jesus in your life. You could be like the jailer in this story who said, what, what does it take for me to be saved? And it, it was only Jesus and his life changed entirely. If this is something that you are ready to do, we want to help you today. And so all you need to do is text I'm ready to our number 844-962-3110. And we will be in touch to help you take your next step with Jesus. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus already. And my challenge to you today is to spend some time asking him where he is moving in your current situation. Maybe you still feel like you're in a hard place or maybe you're coming into a new kind of season, but this is a chance to ask God where his purposes are in your season. Where can you be that keeper of the promise of freedom and bring freedom to people in your life, to people in your work, to people in your sphere, to people in this city? So I challenge you to ask him what he's doing and where his purposes are in your situation. And the third challenge is super practical. What can you do this week to have more spiritual practices and spend more time with God? Are there some habits that you can start this week that would keep you connected with God, that would allow when those hard places come that there is an outpouring of prayer and worship in your life? Now is the time to build those in for the future. I'm going to pray. Pray with me. God, I thank you that you are a God who died for us so that we can have freedom and new life and live it to the full. And God, I pray that you would be with each one of us this week as we look to see even in the hard places, even in the places that seem like they are off plan in our life, what you are doing. God, we pray that you would plug us into your purposes, to where you're moving, to what you're doing in our lives and in this city. And God, we pray that we would find ways to just spend more time with you, that we would be more connected to you, that we would see more of your miracles moving around us in our day-to-day -day life. God, may your kingdom come. 
in New York City as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the Messages podcast with Every Nation NYC. If you enjoyed our message, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others hear the message of Jesus, and we really appreciate it. If you have yet to spend time with us in person, we would love to welcome you to one of our services. Visit everynationnyc.org to find all the info you need to attend a service. We will see you there.